greetings, uh, podcast uh, followers, viewers, uh, listeners. Uh, we're doing another video podcast here at I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Uh, had another request. People wanted to see, hey, Kevin, I heard you were growing a beard. Is that what you want to call that thing? I don't know, but, uh, but uh, we thought we'd do a video today. Got a really interesting guest with us today, uh, Danny Sedone from NextGate. Uh, Danny is Chief Technology Officer there. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things that, that have to do in the healthcare data space. I got to be really honest, Danny's going to be speaking, uh, speaking a language and some verbiage that uh, you know, is on the very end of my, of my knowledge base. But uh, I will have to give Danny a hard time. Uh, he's a graduate of the uh, <clears throat> University of Texas right down the road from, uh, from God's country here in Waco, Texas. Uh, so, uh, but but uh, we were talking before we went on the air. Danny's not much of a sports fan. I'm really glad of that after uh, last weekend showing uh, uh, the, the Baylor Bears really didn't show up, Danny. So with all that, that's a long intro for you. Welcome to I Don't Care. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward yeah, to it. Well, glad, glad to have you on the podcast. Hey, tell me a little bit about Nextgate. Oh, wow. Well, look, Nextgate, uh, we've been in this uh, area of, of patient identification and also the management of uh, provider uh, identity and relationships uh, for uh, about 15 years, uh, actually, uh, you know, the, the founders of which I'm, I'm one of them, of, of the company, we, we used to work in the integration space. Uh, mm -hmm. That dates us back to the, to the mid 90s. And our uh, big challenge always was when it comes to interoperability, how to identify the, specifically the patient, but later also the providers of care. How do we uniquely identify them so that we can enable uh, you know, interoperability between systems because, you know, the company that we were working for was mainly focused on how do I transform this message into this message format, which mm -hmm. is certainly a problem and something that had to be solved. But when you didn't even know, you know, how to transform the identifiers to allow one system to communicate to another system, then you ran into a whole other set of problems. And that's why we formed Nextgate to really focus on that problem of interoperability when it comes to understanding all the different identifiers that a patient may have across all the different systems. And that's okay. what we've focused on since then. Really yeah. interesting. Okay, before we kind of delve into that, I was looking at your website, looked at some of the articles on there, and, and I've done a couple of podcasts on social determinants of health. And so sure. I read one of the articles, found it really to be very interesting. Talk a little bit about what Nextgate does in in the social determinants of health arena, trying to, trying to, to meld that data. Yeah, I yeah. Find that really interesting. Yeah, you know, there are many use cases for our, our core product, which is which is called an enterprise master patient index. You know, one, one of the use cases was what I was describing just earlier, which is mm -hmm. interoperability. You have multiple systems, they need to talk consistently about a patient, even though they have different identifiers. Another, you know, common use case is around analytics, you know, and trying to meld together lots of different data sets that describe events that are happening about a patient and, and trying to stitch together this kind of view of the patient so that they can proactively manage the patient's care. So you know, try to keep them out of the hospital in the first place. And I would say all the stuff around social determinants of health is just increasing that set of, of data that uh, has to be melded together to really understand the context of the patient. You know, why do patients in this region mm -hmm. uh, end up with, you know, more, more visits to the ER? You know, what does it have to do with? And 
um, you know, that has definitely been a driving force in, in adoption of our product because it's very difficult to do that when these data sets, again, are not talking uh, consistently with a similar identifier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, definitely want to get into to talking a little bit about COVID, but, but first question I have for you mm -hmm. is, is really how critical has patient matching and identification software become for day-to-day -day healthcare operations? Let's talk pre-COVID first, then, then after, sure, uh, after sure. COVID. You know, it's been, it's been very, um, you know, very much a key piece of the interoperability and integration that m most health systems have. You know, we have some of our customers are processing, uh, you know, millions of records through our system because essentially every single message that gets sent from one application to another has to be translated in order for that other system to really understand, you know, who it is that uh, they're communicating about, you know, so it is a, it is a key piece of infrastructure. It sits in the background. A lot of people don't know that these sorts of applications exist. My, my uh, sister, uh, <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's a common, it's, it's a common thing, Kevin. My sister, uh, is is uh, you know pediatrician. Uh, she she had worked in Stanford for a long time. Now she works down in in, in Los Angeles area for uh, CHLA. And when I talked to her about this problem about you know patient identification, all this, she's like, "What problem? There is no problem." You know, <laughs> because a lot of people are doing work behind the scenes. You know, so by the time a doctor is looking at you know the the, the you know whatever clinical data exists for the patient, they think that it just kind of you know that just mm -hmm. magically comes together. They only get irritated when it's not there, and then they complain. But but other than that, you know, for them there, there is no problem. So yeah, it's it's kind of that that hidden um, you know hidden challenge that every organization is is dealing with. And until the United States uh, really has a coherent strategy around patient identification at a kind of national level. I think this sort of a solution is the only kind of pragmatic band-aid, you know, that, that mm -hmm. exists for the moment, you know, to solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about now how, how your, your work, how we can use that or how that's being used in, in today's COVID pandemic world. You know, it's, it's a similar, um, it's a similar problem, you know, when yeah. it comes to integrating all these different touch points that patients are having, uh, in response to, uh, you know, getting infected, getting tested, eventually uh, immunization registries and such. Again, lots of different systems, lots of different, uh, you know, providers of care having touch points with the patient. How do you bring that together in order to do things like reporting, you know, to the public health agencies yeah. to be able to even come out with the statistics that all of us are reading every day in the newspaper. We look at how many, you know, what, what's the latest uh, number of people infected, uh, you know, those kinds of statistics are actually difficult to, uh, to acquire. You know, some of our, especially some of our HIE customers are heavily using the EMPI mm -hmm. to deduplicate that set of, of records, you know, in terms of people have multiple tests, you know, and, and how do you ensure that you're not double counting, triple counting, you know, and all that sort of a thing. So, you know, the, the thing with COVID is, is it's a, basically a gigantic stress, uh, you know, test for the, the healthcare uh, mm -hmm. you know, world. And, uh, you know, it's exposing some of the, some of the gaps that, there, that exist, you know, in interoperability. Uh, you know, you talk about how long it takes for test results to come back, or the fact that sometimes not enough data is even gathered uh, when those tests are administered to, to, to contact the patient, let alone the, you know, people that, when it comes to contact tracing, you know, people that uh, patients have been in, in contact with, you know, so, 
you know, that, that level of um, kind of coherent data collection and aggregation is, we're just not there yet. And, and you, you see that, you know, being stressed heavily right now. Yeah. Well, I can attest to that because every day I, I see our, our lab re results for our COVID testing that we do yeah. in-house. And so, as you said, those have to be reported to, you know, our, our local regional advisory council for, uh, you know, and then all of that is, is sent up to state DHS and, right. and everything else. And so we're going sometime in the very beginning, we were looking at three and four different data sets and sure. trying to compile everything. And, and I got to admit, I'm still doing some of it manually. I, I've yep. got my, I've got my, uh, routine down and I can do it within about five minutes now. But in the beginning, trying to get all of this data put to, you know, yeah. brought together yeah. was it's incredibly, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a real pain for us, but, yeah. but now I think we've got it down pat, uh, for the most part, but, uh, but you're right. You know, so, so there was something else that I saw on your website that, that, you know, I hadn't really thought about until I read it and it was talking about just the, the cost of the hospitals for duplicative uh, medical records. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about that and how you and how your solutions really, you know, can, well, can help hospitals, you know, uh, yeah. just go straight to the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, so, so there's, uh, there's all these different use cases for, for the master patient index. It, it originally started uh, in the nineties around just deduplicating the, the, the patient manager within a particular, you know, a single, a single organization. And then eventually grew and grew and grew. So, you know, HIEs, for example, we have hundreds of different mm -hmm. contributors of, of patient identity. But at the beginning, it was really around the, the reduction of, uh, you know, duplicates within the single system, you know, take Epic or Cerner or, you know, any one of these types of EMRs, um, you know, and, and that's the surprisingly large problem, you know, that, uh, when, when patients, uh, you know, present at this point of care, uh, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of stress in the system in terms of processing patients, getting them, you know, to their scheduled visit and, and moving them forward. And um, very often the people that, that are, are performing those tasks, you know, are trying their best to prevent a duplicate from, from forming, but they, they don't always succeed because those systems have kind of very rudimentary capabilities to deal with the fact that maybe I typed in an extra character where I didn't get the correct address, or I got your old address instead of the new address, mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. So they started creating, you know, for many of our customers, 15, 20%, you know, duplicates. And, you know, what ends up happening from the patient experience is you come there, uh, you know, they tell you, well, I, I don't see that you've, you know, completed this test or whatever. You end up having to do the test again, you know, or, and some of these tests can be extremely expensive, you know. And so, um, you know, those, that's just kind of one example. Another example for a healthcare organization is they can't even drop a bill, uh, you know, appropriately or figure out what they should bill the patient for, you know. And, and so those were costs, real costs that were affecting, you know, the, the, the providers of care, you know, not to mention the whole patient experience and, and the liability potentially of, uh, you know, treating a patient without even understanding their full record. Maybe you're not seeing the full list of medications, allergies, you know, prior exam results and such. So absolutely, there are some very heavy costs just within a single system to, to have, you know, duplicates, let alone trying to stitch together data yeah. from lots of different systems. Yeah. Well, not even, not even multiple systems, just within the same system. Yes. You know, because, 
we have a, a huge emphasis on, on the patient experience. And yep. one of the things that we have found, and I'm sure, you know, you hear this as well, is just, you know, patients get tired of having to provide their information yep. over and over and over again yep. to the various venues of care within, the, again, the same system. Right. And so, uh, you know, trying to find solutions to that. Uh, Absolutely. You know, yes. Would greatly impact our well, age gap scores. Yes. And, you know, I, I think part of it is that you see in other sectors advances, right? You know, where there's less friction in the experience that, you know, somebody that's traveling on, a, on picking a flight, you know, or someone is trying to do banking or, or other types of things. There is an expectation now that there's a certain level of automation and sophistication mm -hmm. that we don't quite see in healthcare yeah. yet, you know, and there's a lot of barriers in healthcare. Yes, it's a very messy space, but there's really no reason why a lot of those concepts can't be introduced successfully into healthcare and, and really alleviate a lot of those kind of friction points that are very annoying, uh, you know, and very time consuming, uh, you know, to, to administer. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I'm thinking specifically about, you know, uh, in banking, you know, your yep. personal bank accounts. If yep. I can, if I have my, my login or my app for my bank that can handle nine yeah. to 10 different accounts, why right. can't healthcare do the same thing? Right. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's certainly complexity, you know, to, to healthcare uh, data, you know, and, and in terms of consistent representations of data and also kind of privacy concerns, but absolutely there in fundamentally, it's a similar problem. And I, I think that when it comes to the management of patient data and exchange of data, we're going to see things that are introduced outside of healthcare uh, pushed into the healthcare space. I don't think healthcare is going to be leading the way. It's going to be coming, you know, from example, for example, banking applications that are issuing digital identity that's portable across multiple banks, for example, you know, they're the ones that are beginning to figure out that problem. Of, of figuring out the level of assurance that, that you're really dealing with the, the person that you think you're dealing with. And once you've figured out who you're dealing with, you know, giving them the ability to, you know, to, to view their data or to perform transactions, you know, um, you know, such as scheduling an appointment or whatever right. it is. So that will come, that yeah. will come and maybe even sooner than we think. Okay. Well, obviously, I mean, you guys have been in this space for, for many, many years. Tell us a little bit about the, the sort of incomplete patient data that you were finding early on that kind of led you to, to implement all of these, these interface engines. I mean, just. Well, you know, you know it, it started uh, with how, this how kind of. How did you even, I mean, you, you saw a need, but, but I'm just interested to find out what it you started. It, so it started in the, in the 90s around the, the idea of best of breed, right? So it's kind of two avenues that you can go. You can buy. You can try to buy, and I won't name the vendor, but you can try to buy an application from big vendor X mm -hmm. that basically has all the features, inpatient, outpatient, every single thing. And then essentially you've solved the problem that you don't have to worry about multiple systems communicating with each other. But, you know, at the end of the day, really a best of breed approach, you know, is, is the approach that allows for innovation, allows for certain applications that excel at a certain part of, of managing, you know, the, the, the patient data. Um, you know, that's kind of the world that we live in. And even, even for organizations that are trying to, to kind of standardize to kind of one vendor approach, you know, mergers and acquisitions and other things happen that become very messy, as Ascension, you know, probably knows, uh, you know, and, the, you know, the larger the enterprise becomes, the more legacy there is, the more 
disparate applications there are mm-hmm. out there. You know, so for us as at the time, you know, as a as a vendor at the time, we were working for a vendor of of you know basically interface engines. You know, today there's there's Rhapsody, Ensemble, Cloverleaf, Mirth, all these mm-hmm. different things. Back in the 90s, there was STC, CBeyond, those the companies that we had worked for, very heavily focused on on integration. And this was essentially a problem that we couldn't solve uh, easily, you know, through through um, you know just transforming messages. So we started very simply by just creating a giant table of huh. you know patient names, and you know we just did a string matching and whatever. Eventually, that kind of you know grew into something much more sophisticated as we realized. Well, you know, there's transposition errors, there's phonetic errors, there's there's Dan and Daniel and Danny and you know and those kinds of yeah. things and and it just grew from there and just kind of huh. you know it was, it was I wish I could say you know we had kind of planned it it just kind of you know it just took a life of its own and it planned us to some extent. Sure, sure. Well, and as as and, and I think what you guys did is you brought to light a problem that many in healthcare really didn't realize we had. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's kind of that hidden problem. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, but, you know, I think and but but people still see it. You know, pe- there's been a lot of talk and discussion and, and momentum around reintroducing the national patient identifier, mm-hmm. or at least that as a as a as a conversation, you know, to, to allow the, the government uh, to begin funding uh, of a national patient identifier, you know, and I think that the fact that you hear about that still, you know, 20 years into this discussion points to the fact that where we are today is not where we need to be. There's still, it's, it's very costly. It's very complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a hundred percent matching. You know, we've pushed it, you know, as close to a hundred percent as we can, but uh, it's not, uh, we're not at the end of the story yet. Absolutely sure. not. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So, so as, as electronic health records start, you know, to replace the paper charts, you know, how's this going to further impact the issue? You know, I, I came, yeah. I just, you know, kind of as an aside, I came here to my current hospital from an independent physician network uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, and I still had, honestly, a number of physicians still on paper charts. Yeah. And so I couldn't believe, how are you even functioning in the, the 20, 2010s on paper chart? But yet they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that, that the effort over the last 10 years, especially, you know, to incentivize providers mm-hmm. to, to digitize everything, um, you know, was, was obviously a, a step in the right direction. You know, you have to get it in digital form in order to convey it, uh, you know, digitally. Uh, but, you know, at some point you, 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 you run into that stumbling point of, okay, now I have applications that are storing, you know, maybe in a digitized form, but still different representations of the data with different identification of the patient, how how does this come together? If I'm trying to present something to a doctor, if I'm trying to do analytics on it, how do I use these different representations? That's still that's still a problem. But as an aside, you know, one of the projects that we have uh, is is in Scotland, uh, where we're basically rolling out their next generation of what they call their community health identifier, which is kind of like the the NPI, the National Patient mm-hmm. Identifier, that we have not yet introduced here in the United States. And I know a lot of the discussion is, you know, they, they organize themselves in Scotland uh, around these health boards, you know, different regions of, of Scotland. Okay. Scotland, we're talking about a country of about five to six million yeah. you know, patients, you know, so yeah. it's it, within Texas, it's, it's like a city. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not even half of Houston, you know what I mean? 
but um, there's, there's, a, there's a component of the whole thing around the transfer of medical records. And a lot of that is, is paper, as you're describing. You know, there's still, you know, things have to, I don't know what their equivalent of FedEx is, but basically they still have to put everything in a box or in a folder or whatever and ship it and send it out, you know. So yeah. uh, even, even today, that's where we're at, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. So, so kind of in our, in our last few minutes, Danny, yeah, it sounds like, like I said, you guys identified a need that many in healthcare really didn't recognize that we even had. And so from that, you've been able to, to build a, a, you know, really, really solid solution set for, for us. Yeah. You know, boiling it down to, you know, what you do, how, how do you see it ultimately getting down to the patient? You know, we talked a little bit about that, but I know you mm. probably have a value proposition for your clients to say, this yeah. is how it's going to impact your patients. I think, you know, I, I think from right now, from the patient's perspective, we are this invisible force that they don't mm -hmm. see, you know, and, and to the extent that they don't, um, you know, that they don't see us and they don't have problems, then we've done our job right, you know. Right. But I think I think that the in the, the future and the direction that that our R and D is heading is to place the identity of the patient more in control of the patient themselves. That would be a huge leap, you know. And mm -hmm. a lot of this work that's happening today with self-sovereign identity, with digital credentials and such, really put the control back in the patient to 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 carry their identity in in something like their you know their phone, you know, right. which which is their Kind of the modern day passport you know and the phones have a wallet and within the wallet you can have all your credentials so that when you show up to a facility it's no longer a, oh my name is daniel sedone i live at 403 west rosemary lane whatever it is you know it's it's i've got my credentials they've mm -hmm. been proven they've been verified i have biometrics on my device that you know allows me to uh to to, to there's an assurance that somebody can't just take my phone off the street and present himself or you know so um i think that Patients are going to start to uh, to see this, you know, that that they are in charge of, of their identity, and with that, will give them the control also and visibility as to who has access to my data, who's allowed, you know, uh, when we talk about the transfer of medical records and information between different providers of care, they'll have more control over that, yeah. um, and uh, I think that'll be a, a real game changer that, that we'll see. But as of today, really, patients that you know, nobody, nobody hears of us. We're in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're trying as best we can to keep the situation under control, even though there is no kind of central body around you know managing patient identity. And you know, to some extent, I'd say we've been very successful at it. But it's, we're not satisfied. You know, we would like yeah. to to push it to that hundred percent mark. Okay. And that's eventually well, where we'll get to. I like what you said. If the pa if, you know, as long as everything's going okay, the patients are are never going to. You know, you know, it's like plumbing in the wall, right? You're you're fine you until you're looking up and there's water dripping on your head. Then you know, you call right. it a plumber. But it's like the seven-year-old kid whose mom burned his breakfast. That he'd never spoken before. She's and he said, "Hey, what's going on?" She goes, "You've never you, you speak." He goes, "Yeah, everything's fine until now." Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's how my that's how my kids are too. You know, there's some yeah. expectations that they have. Yeah. Exactly. Mine too. Mine too. Well, hey, Danny Sedone from Next Gay. It's been a pleasure having you on. You, know, uh, uh, you certainly Thanks, educated yeah. me in, a, in an aspect of healthcare that, that I got to admit, I haven't spent a great deal of time on, but uh, it's something that I think we all uh, are, are going to be looking towards, uh, you know, just to, to enhance patient experiences and, and frankly, patient privacy as well. Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. 
be. That's an integral part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Well, thanks a lot. So, so uh, I don't care, uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, thanks again. Start for, to care. You need to yeah, care. For, yeah. <laughs> you too. For yeah. for everybody, uh, everybody uh, listening and viewing today, we thank you for that. Uh, you can always hear us every Friday morning, quote unquote, live. You know what live means here. Uh, at 9.30 a.m. Central on MarketScale Radio. Uh, pretty soon thereafter, uh, the podcasts are dropped to either Spotify or iTunes. So if you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson by now, what's your problem? So with that, uh, we'll be seeing you and maybe talking to you again next week. For I Don't Care, this is Kevin Stevenson. Have a great day. Thank you.